Good morning. Delighted you're with us, particularly if you've just joined us. You know, I thought long and hard about this, but today I want to launch with you a new series called Your World Has Changed. Let me just explain uh, briefly where I'm trying to go with this. Basically, in the last year, so much has changed. Some of you will be comfortable with elements of that. Others of you won't be. Some of you are tired of talking about it. Some of you tired of thinking about it. Others of you have loved elements and moments of it where you thrive on change. You've uh, found different things really quite replenishing. Others of you have felt quite drained by the instability. If I'm honest, I don't want to go anywhere near a conversation about the virus. I want to stick to a conversation around our development. Because we're, as people, we're, we're disciples of Jesus. We want to become more like him. And to do that and to do that effectively, we need to be people who are continually looking and willing to be changed and shaped. And so I nearly called this series, Your World Has Changed, But It's the Same But Different. Um, but I thought, oh, that's just going to be too confusing. Or um, your world has changed, have you? But I thought that might just come across a bit offensive or even confrontational if you misunderstood the heart with which I'm trying to give it. Or what about this? Um, th this, because this is a reality, is church in a new world. Because we really do have to be people that process the implications because our world has changed. So what are some of those implications? Well, there's huge positives. You know, many of us will have realised that we have to take responsibility for our own discipleship, for what worship looks like uh, in, our, in our lives when no one else is looking, for how we serve, for how we serve each other, for how we serve the city. Um, and of course, there's many, many more we could go on for quite a while. But then there would be huge challenges and potential negatives, the pain of relational disconnect, the narrowing of some of our relational connections and conversations, the ease with which we can learn to live separately and sometimes find that to be convenient, the withdrawal from community, accountability, openness and honesty, you know, where for some worship may have gone on to the back burner, the rise in the consumer um, mentality of, you know, dip in for what you want and what you get out of it. The mindset of um, leaving certain things to other people because I've got enough to do for myself just to keep my own head above water. The refocusing on things that then just become about our survival, you know, around jobs or finances or whatever that might look like. The rise of the mindset that church is just an occasional thing to be attended rather than a community that is missionally shaped and driven and centered around the person of Jesus and then the intensity of opinions and frustrations and opinions that are um, culturally rising and so firmly held and yet so often so weakly formed and then the loss of truth in society and people grappling to find it and define and redefine it, basing it often on uh, many false truths and misrepresentations. You know, it's a, it's a fascinating time. Your world, our world has changed. 
And as we prepare for the next season and the next chapter together, we need to ensure that our foundation and life structure is ready to ensure that we're firmly rooted and discipled. You know, just because we've been through um, what for many will have been a very challenging year doesn't mean we actually learn from it or are shaped by it or are influenced for good by it unless we choose to dig out some of the principles and actively seek for them to shape us and develop us in a healthy way. You know, if I could best describe the season we're in, it feels a bit like reading an Amazon review. I think I've shared that with you before. But, you know, you get 50 people who say this is literally hands down the best product I've ever seen or used or have the pleasure of having. You know, it works well. It's priced well. Um, the, the description for it was spot on. Your life is not going to be the same or even complete if you don't have this product and then you get 50 people who say exactly the reverse and the opposite you know i promise you this is the worst decision you will ever make don't buy it don't use it don't waste your time don't waste your money don't go anywhere near this thing just it's just don't it's useless just you know it's it's almost a scam just no 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 don't and uh, and you're left thinking well it can't it can't be both in equal measure. Surely it's one or the other. And, um, you know, I find many people coming alive right now, seeing their life purpose and uh, really been called out for all that they are. And yet I see some people telling me this is the most challenging days they've ever faced. I see many people tired and discouraged and burdened. But I also might have said that, honestly, if we forget the pandemic, because many are facing and feeling the tension and the increasing tension socially, politically and economically. You know, we would have said before this that there was a rise in the secularisation and the, the, the challenges of the decline in what some might have seen before and said this is a Christian country and, you know, where is that slipping? Where is that going? How do we process all of this? The world that is changing around us. The world has changed, you know, but John Wesley in the 1700s, the Methodist church leader, the man who saw and ushered in quite a remarkable um, change to this country. He said of that time back then, he said this, Great Britain was marked by moral disorder. In fact, some believe the nation was on the verge of moral disintegration. Contemporary devices were open and notorious. The threat was lewd. Sorry, the theatre was lewd. The staple of the novel market was despicable beyond imagination. The nation found itself enmeshed in the twin snare of drink and gambling. Violent crime soared alarmingly. Gangs of young hooligans roamed the streets, professing to be representatives of the devil, addressing blasphemous prayers to him and drunk to his health. In short, morality and religion had collapsed to a degree which was never known in a Christian country like this before. You know, I found reading that this week quite fascinating because we can often see that the time we're in has been a challenging one, but we can also see it as the potential for the inbreaking of the kingdom and the world's potential receptivity and openness to it, as did John Wesley if we the church, and I say that quite deliberately because we are 
the church. I'm not waiting for the cavalry to come. We are the cavalry, you know, uniquely shaped and formed to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this city in this time. If we, the church, engage in leading and and, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to live our God-given, God-birthed fullness out, we will significantly shape this land for the glory of God. John Wesley brought in remarkable social reform and founded over 12,000 groups. You know, God changed the face of this country through that determined, spirit-filled guy who kept the fire of God burning in his heart. That's what we've got to do. Keep the fire of God burning in our hearts. John Elliot, sorry, Jim Elliot, the famous missionary, many of you will have heard of him. He said, make me the fuel of the flame of God. Make me the fuel of the flame of God. That's my cry for us in this city, to dare to dream and dare to believe, to have faith. Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling the people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm praying that you will know the power to live out and to share your faith with a boldness like never before. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3 If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I pray not only power to share our faith, but with such love for each other and with such love for this city like never before, that we would be the fuel of the flame of God. Your world has changed. We need to be ready for all that's ahead. You know, today, can I just start us on a journey together in this new series, reflecting on this this specific point within this concept of your world has changed. I want us to be mindful of the mission. You know, I've said it before. It's less that we as a church have a mission. It's more that the mission has a church. We're a collective group of people joining the mission of God. You know, God is a missional God and we're formed around it and we're focused on it. We want to be people that live it out. Regardless of this pandemic, I know that joining this particular church isn't actually an easy thing to do. Now, what might surprise a number of you is that there's elements of that where actually I'm quite delighted. You know, I'm not trying to make it deliberately hard. I hope nobody is trying to make it deliberately hard for anybody. But what we're trying to do is engage you rather than you just have one foot in. This isn't about making a decision just to follow Jesus. This is actually about all of us making decisions to become disciples of Jesus. So why is it hard to join as well? Because we actually want you to do something rather than watch something. You know, before the pandemic, for example, we used to meet in this school on a Sunday, pulling together the many practicalities of doing church and coming together in that gathered family way is actually quite hard work. But I also think that's brilliant, even though it is hard, because the style of church that you're part of creates in you a mindset. And the mindset that I believe is really important for us is the character of contribution. 
We're people that contribute. We give something of ourselves. And there's a cost to that. There's a cost of time and energy, resources, whatever it might be. But the process is a really important part of our discipleship. Don't just turn up and attend something. Come and contribute to it. Come and help form it into what it is. And as we prepare for all that I believe is ahead for us, I think it's really important that part of our journey, part of our culture as a church is that we're contributors. It's not about me and what I get. It's about what I give and in the process who I become and that the person I become as I lean into more of Jesus is going to become more you-focused than it is me-focused. Do you see what I mean? The joy of not having a building, just as one little example, provides you with the opportunity to be part of it rather than to attend it. And that actually is a really healthy mindset and concept for us. We've got to be mindful of our mission. I'm not saying putting on church on a Sunday is our mission, but we have to be mindful of our mission and that part of it creates a mindset that I believe is helpful. Now, this isn't just me thinking, or sorry, my thing or your your thing. This is what actually Jesus called us to. And it's an active participation thing. We've got to keep the go in the gospel. You know, there is a doing, there is a going, there is an active part of this. Just because how um, that looks and the, the practical outworking of some of that may have shifted as a result of the season we've just been through. Just because in society there's a wave of tiredness at the minute, we cannot hold back, we cannot water down, we cannot relent in our drive to the commission that is on our life. So what's the, the, what's the commission? Well, Matthew 28, verse 16, you will, many of you will be familiar with this. It says this, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, after Jesus had risen from the dead, an angel who looked like lightning appeared to the woman at the tomb. That's the story um, that you can read this slightly earlier on in Matthew 28. Anyway, the angel gave instructions to the disciples to go to Galilee. The disciples obeyed Jesus' directive, as I just read. It says, then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. But let's just, just imagine this just for a minute, because we almost need to take a breath. You know, when I, when I was younger, when I'd been running about, dashing about, I'd have a drink and I'd drink it so quickly that I was, you know, I was kind of gasping for the drink. And my granddad would say, he'd be like, come up for air, lad. And he'd say it in this proper northern accent. You kind of need that moment just here. We just need to slow down. Just come up for air just for a second. Just linger in the reality of what is going on. Jesus has just been risen from the dead. An angel who looked like lightning appeared to the women at the tomb. I mean, I'm not sure I mentioned, did I say there was an earthquake? 
the angel has come down from heaven. It rolled aside the stone and sits on it. You read this in Matthew 28. It's worth a quick read if you've got time. It rolled aside the stone and sits on it. Now, I love that because I love the element of detail that is in it. The angel rolled aside the stone and sits on it, almost like, did you realise how easy that was for me to roll that stone? And it kind of sits on it like I I just owned it. You're like, I just bossed moving that stone. Love that bit. Anyway, his face, verse 3, shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. Verse 4, the, guard, the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Now, honestly, I kind of think that's fair enough. I'm like, that's not a bad reaction for what you've just seen. We can gloss over it, read it quickly, but take in what's just happened. And it's like, you know, falling into a dead faint and shaking with fear is probably not a bad reaction. Anyway, verse 5, the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. Okay, so there's a bit more then in that passage you could read if you read Matthew 28. But pick it up again, verse 16, the bit we read a minute ago. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Just take all of that in, uh, like, come up for air, because what is next is pretty significant. It says this, when they saw him, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. From a distance, their eyes of faith saw Jesus and believed. And others doubted. You know, as I, I read that, reflected on that, I pondered that and delved into that to share with you this morning as I looked at it this week. I wept as I read that. Honestly, they saw Jesus. The guy who started it all for them who called them from what they were doing into the thing that he called them to do. The wildest, most remarkable, life-changing adventure beyond description and comprehension. Who they thought was dead was now standing before them. And their first response, they worshipped him. I had to stop writing this to just go and worship him. You may want to spend some time this morning reading and reflecting afresh on that passage and just worshipping. This wasn't really where I was intending going with this passage, but to be honest, maybe this is the only place we've ever been going and the only place we ever want to go. I just want you to see more of Jesus, that you would see him and worship him for who he is. Everything else will sort itself out behind that because when we see him, we worship him. And when we worship him, we're changed. What does they worshipped him actually mean? Well, you know, they fell on their faces before the risen, living King Jesus. Some doubted. Did you did you read that bit? Hey, do you do you have doubts? The disciples had doubts. It's like, really, how do we how do we know that? Well, because it says, but some of them doubted. So I'm not trying to patronise you or 
belittle you or say you hadn't noticed that yourself. I just wanted to kind of make that note because I think it's really important that some of you this morning actually know that. Some of you are riddled with guilt and fear and shame because you have doubts. You know, if if they've actually increased of late, honestly, I've got to tell you that the business that the father is in is restoring, repairing, renewing because he's in the restoration business. Jesus grew closer and revealed himself more fully to them. And that's what I believe he wants to do to you. If you have doubts, he wants to come closer and reveal more of himself to you. You know, we have to doubt our doubts. I've said that before. We doubt our doubts and we believe our beliefs. And if doubt leads you to greater belief, then it's led you towards something worth doubting. But let it be the doubt that you doubt because it's the doubt that can then draw you closer to, to him and he wants you to be closer to him because he wants to reveal himself more fully. That's exactly what he did here in this passage. But this is where I was trying to get with this passage before I got caught in that. Sorry, we got in quite a journey. I hope that's helpful for some of you though. But here's here's what comes next and it's really quite important. Jesus came and he told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am always with you, even to the end of the age. Some of us just need to know that he is with us. He is with you and for you. You know, many of you, though, will have heard that verse many, many, many times. And you will have. I have. But what we should never do is separate it from what just came before it. Because the the Great Commission came from the context of Revelation. Seeing the risen Jesus and worshipping him. You know, the commission that is given to us is in a very similar context. We see and we worship the risen Lord with the expected response then of obedience to his commands. Don't don't honestly, can I can I beg you and petition you don't let your worship be watered down in this time because it's the fuel of what we do. It's how we live out who we are as we see more of him. We're changed and then we go. We don't just go because you'll 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 burn out. You'll dry up. It'll be hard. It'll be it'll be a, a a land that is is hard and parched. But we we see him. What deals with all of our challenges, anxieties, burdens, pressures, strain is we see him first. We worship him. Then we go and we're sent. And honestly, I I believe that it is an assault of the enemy for you to be distracted from worshiping. Some of you may like be like, well, you you came on a bit strong there, Paul. That's big. That's big strong language. But honestly, what I'm saying is, worship is everything. It's our highest priority. There'll be some in this time that have found it slipped and it's become distant. Oh, you know, it's just it's just singing. It's one of those things we do when we used to be together, you know, we're not. So, you know, when we do it again, we do it again, you know. It it was a bit odd anyway at times for me, like some of the songs, I didn't really know them. It was a bit like karaoke. I, I know, and I know that many of you know, worship isn't just singing, it's a lifestyle. It's a, you know, a holy and pleasing sacrifice to the Lord in the way we live and who we are. But some worship is so important. If, if we don't sing, even the rocks cry out. 
we've got to have a song in our heart to the Lord. It's how he shapes us and forms us. But ultimately, it's not really for us. It's for him. We worship him. We worship the risen Jesus. Anyway, there's so much that I could say about that. But what I want to keep driving at is the go in the gospel. We're called to be worshippers of God and rescuers of men. I'm not just trying to be nice to my neighbours as you know and other people as good and as right as that is i'm trying to show them and reveal to them jesus there's a call on our lives not just to see people make decisions but to become disciples fully drawn into the church and fully drawn into a partnership with the holy spirit i i feel i just need to kind of i don't know like almost land this for some of you this morning to to really land home what i'm trying to say you know, the, the other day, Liv, our um, youngest daughter, she's four. She started, did I say she's four? She's four. <laughs> she started singing that wonderful song. I'm not going to sing it to you, but like, please don't spare us. But the, the words are this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, she sings it a lot because I think we sing it a lot, often in a place of praise and overflow. But I would say, actually, I often sing it in a place of pain. You know, that it would be the 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 outburst of a cry of my heart that again and afresh, whatever I'm faced with, I'm turning, I'm redirecting, I'm placing my eyes back on Jesus. I'm realigning myself with the truth and the life of Jesus. I, I, I share, I'm not trying to make that about me. I tell that story about me, of course I do, but I'm not trying to make it about me. Don't land there. Worship isn't for us, it's about him, but the 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 overflow of it benefits us and ultimately, even though it's for him, it does change and shape us. But as we fall on our faces in worship, what do we do? We see the risen Lord. And what do we do then? Well, we cannot not share that it's not a pain it's not a duty it's not a hardship I cannot not tell everyone who he is and what I've seen everyone I meet I want to tell them somehow can I find a way to share Jesus with you I'm going to try and find every creative way possible and ways to open a conversation or an action or something that is going to allow me to share with you Jesus because I've just seen him and I've just fallen on my face before him he 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 was dead but now he's alive and he's alive forevermore you know but just this last week I was chatting with this lady who lives up the road next to us and the other day I just finally got this opportunity to weave into my story his story do you know what I mean by that do you ever find that we often have the chance somebody asks a bit about us and you have the chance to tell your story well that's the chance to weave in his story like ultimately the story of Jesus so when I did she said something that um she 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 said something that really struck me she said I just knew I knew there was I knew there was something about you guys you know, I could just tell by your kindness and your compassion. And she sent us this card at Easter to say that she'd never known such kindness. You know, she said nobody had ever looked out for her in this city quite like we have. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sorry to share that with you because I actually feel slightly uncomfortable sharing stories about us. I hate making this about us. I'm not trying to do that in any way. But I want to land this for you today because my point is this that conversation I had with her has rattled me 
ever since. Because imagine if we left it there. Imagine if we'd just been nice people, kind people, helpful people, hospitable people. Whatever it is she had in her head where she was like, I just knew there was something. Imagine if we'd have just left it there. But we had the chance to give her an opportunity to see and to worship the risen Lord, to see for herself, even if there might be some doubts like there was for the disciples, to let him draw near to her as he has to us. You know, when this stage of the lockdown lifted and we could have people in the garden, the first people we had in the garden was our neighbours. I'm desperate, desperate, honestly I am desperate to see all of you. But our neighbours, they need to know Jesus. And the more we see of Jesus, the more we find and realise we need to find ways to share him. Romans 10, 14. But how can they call upon him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. We have to be mindful of our mission. The world has changed. In fact, they need it more than ever, even if they don't realise they need it. Even if they are tired and weary, we can't become comfortable. We can't be people that leave it to others. We can't become participants. We can't think, oh, that's the gifting for the so-called evangelists, even if we use that word. We see him and then we find ways to show him. Now, for some of you, you might be panicking, like, Paul, you got you got a bit off on one here. You know, too much Fanta fruit twist. You can never have too much Fanta fruit twist. But anyway, I'm not I'm not saying we become, you know, whatever it might be, gospel grenaders or whatever the term people might use, you know. Oh oh goodness, like no, I'm not I please, 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 I'm not saying that. It gives me a shiver down my spine thinking about that. I'm not a not a good one. But we've always sought to use a style and an approach and a relational touch that sits within the, the ethos and the vision and the values. But equally, I just believe every now and again we need a stir and a prod to be mindful, to keep at the front of our, our thinking that we have a mission that we cannot not prioritise. We seek him, we see him, and then we show him. We're drawn into ourselves, into greater revelation, and then we're sent out with authority to live out his plans and his purposes in obedience. That's kind of what that passage is saying. Just because so much has changed, I believe we've still got to keep it front and centre as we step into this new day. We've got to be mindful of the mission. Trust, I hope that's helpful to reflect on it that way to you this morning why, why don't we just spend some time praying you might want to close your eyes or just create a bit of space or just believe that the spirit of god is like a gift to us he goes where he's welcome i want to invite him now spirit of the living god would you fall afresh upon us lord i, I just pray we'd have that moment like the disciples had on the mountains where we we just see you i pray for a revelation of the face of jesus this morning Honours as a church, Lord, honours as a city. Would the face of Jesus be revealed? Would we 
be drawn in more. Lord, we welcome you. Presence of the living God. I just um, have a sense, might be totally wrong. I, I believe somebody's, uh, you, you got a, I can feel it now actually, you've got a pain in your jaw uh, down the left side, particularly running along it actually might not even be a jaw it might be someone's got a jaw but also somebody like runs along the uh your lower teeth to down the left side and uh particularly around the back is painful even tender to touch but you're you can't fully open your jaw i believe as well there's somebody you've got uh a pain in your heel as you uh are walking as you step on it every time it's like oof. i i just want to I mean, we believe in physical healing. There was a like slight input and training session for that the other night. There'll be more coming up. I'd encourage you to dig into them. We want to be people that do the stuff that Jesus did. But just over those two, and there may be more, why, why don't you just place a hand on it? I just want to pray and command in the name of Jesus. I pray physical healing, Lord, for creative miracle, the restoration of that. Speak to that pain, be gone. I say be well, be healed. Lord, release your healing power. I believe some of you that just this week, even there's been an increased uh, and raised sense of anxiety. For some of you, I think it's becoming quite a hold on your life. I just, I want to speak to that. Just say, be free. Spirit of God, settle. Bring calm and order. Bring the pe- the peace of God, the shalom of God over their lives. I just got a sense as well. I don't fully know how to describe this, but it might make sense to one of you. I feel like one of you's got a, you got a new opportunity. It's not necessarily a job or a house, but it's you, you'll know what it is. Like I've got a new, maybe a promotion. I don't know what it is. It's a new opportunity, and the language you're using is almost like, well, okay, Lord, I just need to know. You, I need you to, I need you to say it. I need it to be clear. I need you to speak. I can't exactly think of the word you might have used, but I believe the Lord's prompting that out. I think he's saying it is it is it is him. I just believe as well there's a there's a moment coming on us now. This is a number of us. Um that there is a there's a there's a calling of course there's a calling we're all called there's a there's an anointing that's probably the word there's a fresh wave of the spirit for the power and the authority for the boldness that comes to share our faith ultimately that's what that's the people we are that's why we plant churches that's why we start new small groups that's why we do this thing because we worship him and then we show him I I just we need the God quickened spirit. If we've done it in our humanness, I want to pray now for the spirit of God to fall on us that He would breathe on it, create opportunities, open doors that we would step into them. That the that you would have words and language that there would be a practical expression of the love of God. Kind of where I started, like like never before. That this would be a new day we step into to the 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 authority and the love. 
the authority and the love. And we love people because we're worshippers of God and we're rescuers of men. Lord, would you put a power and an authority and a, a zeal in us? Let it be more than a human thing. Let this let there be a God thing right now on us. Seal it on us as a church, I pray. Give us an inheritance almost of the lost. Spirit of God, come on us. Fire for it, Lord. We would step into this place of a obedience i pray some of you i feel like you've had it you've had a fear and anxiety and a doubt and a insecurity around that and it's maybe you've even experienced things that have been unhelpful in other ways and it's oh no not like that no just a freedom lord i pray a freedom over us and i don't know did i even mention this just some of you i think you've just been burdened with doubt so just want to pray a revelation of Jesus over you afresh this morning come spirit of God doubt your doubts believe your beliefs I believe the Lord will minister to you in many other ways as well this morning don't neglect that so honestly one of the things I feel deeply is we're not able to pray for each other in the same way at the moment phone somebody and say will you pray for me meet somebody go in a garden and say can you pray for me spirit of god just leave you with some gentle music playing but bless you hope you have a good week